0: That's a deep cut for all of you fans cool the out there. I'm Jimmy Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Connor and Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside only Hollywood Harry, a.k.a. Heath Pierce, because Charlie Davies the Third, also known as Chuck Wagon, is doing his thing on TV with Paramount Plus for the Champions League yesterday and the Europa League today. So, Heath, I feel like he might have to give up the Hollywood nickname, or you might have to give it up, and he's going to take it over.
1: Yeah, it you know. It's big deal. He's taken, like... Fashion Week, you know Paris. He's taken <laughs> Hollywood from us. He's taken Broadway from me. Just in terms of, you know, clearly a performer. I got nothing left, Jimmy. I got nothing left. He could have it all. He could have. I mean, he, he's going to have it all, he's whether we like it, it or all, not. You know, I he's, think, he's I think, got it all. You know, what do you what do you give a man who has it all? You know, yeah, that's true. More
0: wood paneling, I think. Anyway, on yeah. today's show, we're talking about the official announcement of U.S., Canada, and Mexico qualifying for the twenty twenty six World Cup. And actually, Heath, I don't think there's. Much left to talk about, except that is a job well done, everybody. Mission accomplished. Well done. Boys. We did it. We qualified. We did. Baby, we the got it. We're gonna yeah, dive in just, further.
1: Just, we're just, yeah. Go ahead. Go, we'll, go, go. go. That, Do you think, you know, because it truly is a a mixed bag of, of of what you want, right? On one hand, we're like, oh, qualifying, you know, games of consequence, but at the same time, you're kind of like. Did our team get battle tested in qualifying? They did. Did our team get better as of as a soccer team? I don't think about they the did last, at all.
0: The last time, yeah, last time around. I mean,
1: okay. we don't want to talk about twenty eighteen. That never happened. Uh, right. That was that was match fixing. Um, <laughs> we, uh, uh, but 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 you look at the importance of you know again this team going through a lot of going through that. But at the same time, I'm like, we've you give up a lot of windows to test yourself against bigger competition, albeit in friendlies. Now we know we've got Copa America, Gold Cup, and and, and Nations League uh, coming up, and so maybe there's enough in there. But I found qualifying to be kind of a mix. I was torn between the the actual purpose and value of it. Now we've got these other competitions, but no qualifying, which are truly consequential, right? Like tournaments are are something. And Copa America, I think will be will be big. But do you think we? I mean, what's your trade-off? Do you think we get more than gain more than we lose in something like this? I, I don't want to belabor this this point all that much, <laughs> no, but I, but I, the point is, is you know, <laughs> well,
0: it's just, it's every, just weird. everybody knows that the U.S. Mexico game makes a ton of money, especially yeah. if it's played in the in the U.S. I expect that instead of qualifying, <laughs> we're gonna have about twenty-five U.S. Mexico games between the end of Copa America and the start of the twenty twenty-six oh, yeah. World Cup. That's what I foresee happening. Quite a few oh, of those games. The, Just soccer United
1: marketing, making a (laughs) 10, 10, a 10 match, uh, four year deal. It's going to be a
0: tour. They're going to go to every,
1: every world cup market. Shoot. I'd try to go to all, to be fair, us, Mexico. I try to go to all of them. Uh, although I do get your point.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. So I think what's going to be difficult for us is that there's a quite a significant amount of time from the end of Copa America to the beginning of the 2026 world cup. What do we say? 20 months maybe. And in those 20 months, it's not easy to go get friendlies against good competition anymore with the emergence of the UEFA Nations League or just Nations mm-hmm. League in general. So, so where are we going to go get those games? And, and that's going to be really interesting to see where we can cut our teeth and win because friendlies don't really exist anymore. They're trying to monetize it or, or make it a competition with every single game that they play. So that's, that's going to be fascinating and, and what U.S. soccer, Canada and Mexico have to do to go find those games.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is tough. And and it was a bigger challenge during the pandemic, right? Because everybody was looking to get good games and you are just having to play anybody. And we saw with Greg Berhalter's record, he has a great record against a number of opponents that were less than a team from ourselves, as well as less than a team from the opponents, but a lesser opponent. Um, and so when I look at that, you, you've got to get out on the horizon. like You've almost got to map out the next four years now Agreed. because Agreed. there's not going to be any changes. They've announced what the next few years look like. There's not going to be any new tournaments. Nations League is going to have its place. Copa America is going to have its place. Gold Cup is going to have its place in this window. And then you need to go up, go out and stack yourself up against some big opponents. And that doesn't just mean the Brazils and and the France's and the England's, but you also need to probably play some good African opponents. You need to make a commitment to playing a diverse group of high-level, high-ranking, high-performing opponents um, to not just prepare yourself for the World Cup, but to better develop this team um, in international matches and also to test, right? We saw our biggest panic was because we played against two good opponents in Japan and Saudi Arabia, and we were like, oh my gosh, we're going to a World Cup now. We're not ready because we spent last month playing against... Uh, Mexico and Jamaica and 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 you know Honduras and and all these uh, CONCACAF nations that got us to the World Cup, but I don't think prepared us for a World Cup outside of again that togetherness, that fight that you get in any competition. So I'm hoping that's the plan, uh, but have some bad news for you, Jimmy. We don't have a sporting director. No, we and, don't. Uh, Our general we, manager, uh, or a or coach. general manager, or a coach for that matter. Uh, and fine. so. Um, At the same time, you're kind of like, you want to get the value. We saw during that window when the US didn't have a coach, they, you know, um, what's his name did a great job with the team, but it wasn't like the team was developing along uh, through a system that was, you know, getting us incrementally better in the way in which we want to play and compete and our different styles of play and all those kinds of things that tests like our quality of our player pool.
0: Yeah, you're, you're thinking about Dave Sarakin. I I yeah. want to say that this is a nice segue. I, I, by too. the way, no
1: disrespect to Dave Sarakin. I just couldn't remember his name.
0: No, well, he's he's been known normally as an assistant. and Sometimes yeah. it's harder to remember the assistants uh, than the head coaches. So we have a couple topics, obviously, to dive into today. Uh, we're going to dive in on Thierry Henry, who kind of tap danced around his interest for the U.S. men's national team job. We'll get into that, mm-hmm. which is a nice segue into what we're talking about right now. Christian Pulisic potentially heading to Spain. Are U17s continuing to dunk? On people in the CONCACAF championship. They just made the round of 16. We'll get into that a little bit. Some special players there that I think have a bright future. And uh, Jesse March, his future. Speaking of futures, apparently it broke down with Southampton. He's not headed there. And the plight of our Americans at Leeds. They have a game against Everton this weekend. Everton are in the relegation zone. And what happens for those three fellas if they get relegated? It's a, a lot of. A lot of interesting times for a lot of of our Americans around the Mm -hmm. world in different roles. And, of course, we'll take any questions from you guys in our live studio audience on the YouTubes. Mm -hmm. But let's get back to Thierry Henry, Mm -hmm. Keith, because when he was on set with our very own Chuck Davies, who got the call up to Paramount Plus to do this coverage. Way to go, Chuck. Huge call up. Huge, 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 yeah. and he looked great in his blue suit. By the way, I don't know what he's wearing today, but he he was wearing a blue suit uh, yesterday, and he looked fantastic. Just the a, it's like Chuck A game was all over. Well, it. I,
1: I, he was a little nervous. He was a little nervous. He was nervous. You think? Yeah, I feel like Charlie was a little nervous. I feel I, like you and I maybe didn't prep him well enough. Yeah, um, it's on us. I think it's on us. Or he got a little too comfortable, not recognizing well, you know that the bigger stars are on his on his weekly weekly show in his podcast and he's kind of treated us as peers and friends and it got amongst the big leaguers Heath, and maybe Heath, Heath are got we, are, well we,
0: are you and i kind of like kind of like world cup qualifying and then yeah. Thierry Henry and jamie Carragher like the world cup is that yeah charlie yeah. was like yeah, i could do this paramount plus show <laughs> I can and do he's this like stuff. yeah
1: but I like, can this do it is easy coffee and Jeff, and can do it wherever. you know yeah yeah, yeah exactly way games yeah and yeah your, your guys little Concacaf show is like that's <laughs> easy yeah. come on Come on the big stage, you know, and uh, no, I think he, he got a little nervous, job. a little tight. He yeah, he got up. a little nervous. Yeah, We
0: have a clip from Chuck. We're going to roll a little later in the show. Him talking about uh, Gio Reyna and Gio Reyna not playing for Borussia mm-hmm. Dortmund, or he was on the bench yesterday in their game against Chelsea. Now, let's talk about Thierry Henry, though, because within their pre or post game shows, Thierry Henry got questioned by the great Kate Abdu about the U.S. men's national team job. Mm -hmm. and he just he he tap danced around it he said that he was the number two for roberto martinez at belgium he's not following roberto martinez to portugal and that he's interested in being the number one guy again and that he knows the league so he knows mls he knows and i'm paraphrasing now but but he 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 knows the american player i think is where he was trying to get to would you take Thierry Arden, everybody listening or watching if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod. Would you take Thierry Henry as your manager? Keith Pierce, you played with him, so
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and I played against him. I I couldn't believe how how long his legs were. That was like the one thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, God damn, his waist is up to my neck. It's crazy. Uh, but, he just
1: rolls his shorts up, Jimmy. They're short legs. He just rolls his shorts up and makes it look <laughs> longer. You know what
0: I mean? That's fair. You know, I respect that. Classic That's a trick. Fashion. Classic trick. That's classic trick. So <laughs> so, would you take Thierry Henry as the U.S. Men's National Team coach?
1: Um. If I was playing, yeah, because I know he'd call me up as a, as, a, as as, <laughs> as a, a friend. <laughs> yeah, as a friend, I'd I'd get that call up. You know, I'm, I've I've oh, more
0: nepotism I, with Terry Henry. Like he called his I buddies I spent
1: I spent my entire career wanting to be a nepo baby, and I never got it. You know, and I and I unless I want to go back and coach my dad's high school basketball team, uh, I'm probably not gonna not gonna get that. Uh, even though my 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 mom did say I played great every game of my career, but look, when I think about uh, Thierry, he's another one similar to Steve Cherundolo. where I'm like, I spent enough time with Thierry and with Steve to know that these are brilliant footballing minds, right? Just unbelievably astute. You know, and when I used to watch games, and he, he used to talk about this publicly, and I used to be like, oh, yeah, this is kind of just like a, a gimmick, you know, where he's like, when everybody's watching the ball in a match, I'm watching what's happening off, off the ball, because that's where the real tactics are happening, right? That's where the real game is happening, is what's happening away from the ball. And I was always like, yeah, somebody, either you came up with that or somebody taught you that. And that's all nonsense because you're just watching it passively like we are. But, but I've spent time with him watching and you go, wow, he looks at the game a completely different way. So from a foundational standpoint, I'm like, amazing. From a managerial standpoint, he was on a decent pace with, 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 with Montreal when he was there before he left during the pandemic to go back to be with his family. Um, hasn't been proven in Europe um, isn't currently coaching actively at the moment. And I remember when, whenever I think about these types of situations, it's not necessarily Thierry. I think about, I, I talked to, do you remember John T Whitehead, um, yes, at, at Fox? Yes. Um, well, I, I remember going in to meet him one day and I had just retired and I was just talking to, to him about just different things. And he was kind of like, you know, the thing that I really want is I want TV people to want to do TV. What I don't want is TV people who want to coach. Or if you're a club, uh, a coach who won, uh, coaches because they're waiting for their next TV deal. And, and I'm not saying that's the case with Thierry, but I do think that he's obviously got a san- standard of it. He's set for himself without very little experience as to the club and the level of which he wants to coach. And I would, I would feel the same, right? I think it's a huge challenge to, to play at a different level or at a club with less resources and all those types of things. So I'm wondering what it is that he's holding out for to be the number one in charge again. Is it a club? Is it a national team? what's the right national team, what's the right budget, what are the right situations and circumstances that will allow him to work towards his success goals, right? And for me right now, I just can't say, uh, I mean, I mean, I can wholeheartedly say no as, as the answer to potentially the national team solution, um, just because I haven't seen enough of him uh, to know that, could he, could he potentially take us to the next level? Absolutely. Uh, but have I seen, we kind of, one, like Kai just said, what the other options are, or or what his actual philosophy or plan is, or what he would want to implement from now, I just don't know. What about you?
0: So, let's take a look at his stats. Let's just go to the stats, just because they're out there, Ooh, they I exist. Like and he coached Monaco as the head coach. Okay, he took mm-hmm. over in October 2018. He got fired in January, so he lasted 20 matches. He won four of those 20. Okay. And from, and I think he'll speak about that time as a complete learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. But he took that job after a pretty good run with Belgium in the two thousand and eighteen World Cup, where they got to the semifinals and probably played to the level of their talent, right? Uh, well play you know, to obviously the fine margins as we discussed and and uh, they got to the semis and lost. Now, since then, he took over Monaco, got fired, twenty percent win percentage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, eight or no, ten months after that mm-hmm. job after getting sacked. He took Montreal Impact, which was a bit of a surprise. I was like, oh, cool. He's, he's an MLS mm-hmm. and he he's going to see it hopefully as a springboard, as we've seen with others. And Patrick Vieira kind of jumps to mind. He was in charge for about speaks a year French. and a half, speaks French, and he coached 29 games over that time. And this was during the pandemic as well. So I want to give him a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope, right, that that uh, there is an asterisk next to this because of the pandemic and all the challenges that happened and MLS's back tournament and all that. 29 games in charge, nine wins, 31% win percentage. Now, I agree with you that he lacks maybe that head coaching experience. And what I remember from hearing about his time at Monaco is that he just thought the players should be better, right? They should just – he's so good. And I think Zidane obviously falls into this as well. Those guys are, as you said, brilliant minds for the game, incredible players, arguably top 10 for both of them I think all time and and how do you relate to somebody that can't do the basics that just comes so naturally to you right that's always I think the the stumbling block for some of these world class players that go into coaching and and that's oh, yeah. why I think we see we see the Arsene Wenger's of the world Jurgen Klopp's of the world who were were good solid players but but needed to use their brain more, more maybe during the game because they weren't as athletically gifted or just couldn't see the game the same way just didn't have the IQ for it but but could be great communicators right and yeah. then they go on to have great probably better managerial careers obviously than their playing careers so so i just wanted to throw that in there as a starting point for this part of the conversation
1: well well, funny enough i'm here in 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 chicago and we're going through this leadership conversations we had to take these tests right and it brings out your five greatest strengths based on 140 something questions or whatever you answer them all based on like very much agree very much disagree and there's like these two ends of i can't remember the name of the test but The point was is that when we listed them all out in our leadership group of like where the strengths are, the conversation came up as the way in which Google hires, right? And this this all makes sense hopefully in a second, but the way in which Google hires is that they actually hire and put people into teams based on their strengths, right? So they don't look at weaknesses and developing weaknesses. They say, okay, um, Thierry Henry, actually, you're great at seeing the game a certain way. We're going to put you as the head coach, but we need to hire a staff around you that can do tactics that that are good with people. That are uh, personable, that um, that can the balance. Uh, extract, right. Yeah, the balance. Yeah. And I think when I when I think about that through the lens of of Thierry and 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 his development, is that okay? Fine, I get that. I, I experienced that. Thierry had no ability or patience or timing for anybody who didn't want to be at the very best. If you didn't want to be the best in the world, he was like, I don't understand why you play, right? And Mm -hmm. coming to an MLS club when I'm there, and you go, there's guys that are just happy to be playing professional soccer, right? Because six months before that, they're like, oh, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to work in finance. No one cares about me. I'm not good enough to all of a sudden being like, oh, man, I'm getting paid to be a soccer player no matter the sum. Like, that was a a different bar that he'd never seen before, right? Because he'd spent his whole life differently. And so I think it's up to him then at that point to build a team around him. And I'd be curious to talk to like uh, Roberto Martinez, uh, Bobby M, if you will, of what Thierry (laughs) brought to the table. What did he bring to the Belgian national team? Was it his ability to connect with players or understand, or was it a credibility or a respect that he brought and that was enough? Like, what are the skills that he has? And then how does Thierry then build a team around him that can either open his eyes eyes up to new things or balance him out so that you actually have a complete product? I I mean, because a lot of times we look at just the manager and we don't think about the fact that like, there's so resource now. And that's like, Steve Cherenlo talked about this actually now saying how different it is to coach because he's got an entire staff, right? Video people, uh, you know, from from editing analysis. You've got assistant coaches. You've got multiple assistant coaches. You've got a, a athletic trainer. You've got medical staff. You've got sports science. You've got all these things that allow him to narrow the scope of what he needs to focus on. And I'm wondering, like, could Thierry build the right team? I don't know. I mean, I mean would you would you be open to an, a Thierry Thierry with a couple big assistants that you'd be you'd be open to that have proven themselves or or you could just sort of get more on board than just thinking about him specifically. I would, I, it, I
0: think I'd be to do, to, to, to casually like Greg dismiss and Greg
1: mind. and Greg and Claudio as assistants for. Thierry. I don't think
0: you can casually dismiss interest from, from Thierry Henry. I think you have to really consider it. I think it would be worth having a conversation with him, getting mm-hmm. his views. I do think that as some people have pointed out in the comments, and I'm sure people that are listening are ready to jump in and say, what about dual nationals? You know, I mean, Fuller and Balogun, who has talked to Thierry Henry on the phone, uh, looks up to him. They have a relationship. If he's mm-hmm. the coach of the U.S., I think Balogun comes over and commits to us. Mm-hmm. Is that enough, though? I mean, I mean, Balogun's the only one that jumps out, but I assume you might attract even more du- na- dual nationals to want to be a part of whatever Thierry Henry's building. But I do agree that there is something lacking when he had his own chance to be the number one. Also, let's talk about this. The second time around, as Belgium's assistant coach at the World Cup, they way underperformed and got knocked out in the group stages. Yeah, that's not all on Thierry Henry, but he is part of that staff and he has to take some responsibility for that. Also, I would assume one of his main and, jobs and Lukaku,
1: and Lukaku, and Lukaku missing the like four right?
0: Yes. So, so I'm sure one of his his jobs and responsibilities is making sure Romelu Lukaku is in a good spot, uh, not just positionally, but also finishing his chances and whatever he can't he can't score for lukaku so he can only do so much as a coach right but that that i i wonder where to your point if you built a staff that had and 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 kind of filled the voids of his own coaching personality i wonder what that would look like because usually when you have a top guy who's very good there's always been a nice steady number two that's somewhat the real mvp of the whole thing right the glue that's kind of making sure that there's some connective tissue between what the boss wants and then, but still having that understanding and empathy for the players and what they're going through, which the boss doesn't really have time for. Right. So, so, right. and I don't, I think Thierry Henry falls into that. Like you, you don't understand what the hell I'm talking about. Like what? That's so yeah. goddamn easy. Then you have a, you know, a number two or number three that's helping the players like translate that genius yeah. of Thierry Henry into a way that they can understand and then obviously go out and execute.
1: Yeah. And and a lot of that is that 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 ability to understand personally what people are going through, empathize with them, be able to then deliver that information of like, hey, you're you're not starting because X, Y, and Z, or here's a, let's build you a plan on things that you can develop to get back in the spot, like those little tiny things that can be a motivator for somebody because the soccer world of slumps and finite amount of positions on the field, it's just a very different environment, right? Of like either you're playing or you're not. And it, it can be very challenging. And so, again, I think about Thierry through the lens of like what team came with him, who came with him and who comes with him that I can go, okay, I see I see how we're – I can see where Thierry could be a strength for this national team for sure, right? And you use the Lukaku example and like you said, he can't finish for Lukaku, but you would think that he could get a, get him – motivated and going and, and that didn't happen or he tried to make it happen. But, and then, and then the flip side is like, okay, what are the other pieces that come together from a sporting director to whatever that you can go, okay, now I can buy into this, or at least trust enough to say, you know, g- guilty, uh, innocent until proven guilty is the way I'm trying to say that, you know?
0: So another thing too, that, that we touched upon in the last podcast is, is having somebody that in, this is in reference to Trundolo has just been around and has suffered a little bit, right. And has gone mm-hmm. through the lows and knows how to manage and navigate those because that will help strengthen the team. Because it's going to happen. Club level, national team level, you're just going to have a game or run a game. So just don't go your way. And when I look mm-hmm. at Thierry in particular, he got sacked from Monaco. Uh, Montreal, I think he decided he was done. So, So is there any staying power? Like if things get tough it will, that's kind of your point about John T. Like, is yeah. he just going to go, ah, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to go back to TV. It's a lot easier over there or whatever it is. Right. Well, not even and easier. So, it's just
1: more of like, it's more of like, uh, you know, if you want to be predictable, actively coaching, predictable. no, it's just, it's just, if you want to be actively coaching, you should be actively coaching. Is he actively coaching right now? Does he have a team? Is he managing right. anybody? Is right. he, is he willing to take something less than a national team job? I don't know. Maybe the right opportunity hasn't come. We all know that You know, for for us and the level that we played at, we'd probably have to grind our way to a a good coaching job, right? You'd have to prove yourself over and over again to probably get that. Whereas he's at a level that he's probably going to start, or his expectations mentally uh, are going to start at a much higher level of like the job he wants to take and the circumstances he wants to make himself available in, you know?
0: Okay, so let's use this. I think it's a nice segue into Jesse Marsh, who went down to Southampton to go look at the job, to go talk, to kind of mm-hmm. continue to further down the line. Can he take it and help them? They're on the bottom of the table in the Premier League, help them get out like he saved Leeds last season. Yeah. And he went down there and apparently it fell apart and he's no longer going to take the Southampton job. Now, I sent a text to Jesse Marsh after he got sacked from Leeds mm-hmm. and just saying, essentially, just to keep his head up, he's an incredible human being uh, and an, an incredible coach and, and
1: he's going to land on his feet. This just shows you how old you are, Jimmy, because... you you are Jesse Marsh's mentor, which means that you were born in what? Fift- 50? I'm not 30s? his mentor. I'm just trying yeah. to say
0: in those moments, you know, if, if, if it's real easy to be like, I don't know what to say to the oh, guy, yeah. but I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to be positive because yeah, he's, he's got something special about him. Now it's just a matter of right. like all of it falling into place at the right time. And it just, it, it did for a little bit and then it didn't. And uh, the stakes are a little bit different in the Premier league as we know. And then they got to make quick decisions. Otherwise it can go <laughs> South pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, so, he didn't respond and i'm like it's fine he's he's obviously in the in the thick of it but he tell responded. me where he lives
1: jimmy tell me where he lives i'll go and take listen, care of this <laughs> he lives
0: in a really nice place but i would say that he 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 responded yesterday and i said uh-huh. to him uh obviously great to hear from you glad you're doing well sorry to hear about the southampton thing falling through uh and and he basically said that that there's more to it than what's being reported and so at that point i like kept Kept like the text going, and I tried to peer pressure the F out of him, everybody, to get him on the show. I don't know if it's going to happen or not yet. I mean, he's, I, I think he's got some free time, and, and now it's mm-hmm. Southampton going away. I, I, so, so we're just letting you know that we're putting it out there, we're putting some feelers, we're planting seeds, and we're hopeful that like maybe that. at some point, Jesse Marsh will come on the show and have some fun and, t- and share some laughs with us. The guy is, is awesome. If you've never heard him, kind of like, I have did some stuff with him on CBS Sports and HQ uh-huh. over the last couple of years in between his jobs at Salzburg yeah. and Leipzig and Leipzig and, and Leeds. And he's great. And he's got a great yeah. sense of humor. And, and I think it would be fun for him to come on and kind of sh- showcase that side of him, especially when there's not a lot of pressure uh, and all that type of stuff. But do you think it was a good career move for him to, to just avoid the Southampton thing altogether, Keith? Because it would have felt a little bit rushed. <laughs> And, and I don't know if they have the infrastructure in place for him yeah. to really have succeeded in the short term and maybe even the long term. So, you know, do you think From, he dodged a bullet there? Yeah. And do you think he might still be a commit candidate for the U.S. job?
1: I do think he's a candidate. I think him turning it down means there's probably more opportunities for him. I don't think Jesse's tied or married to just the Premier League. He'd probably enjoy a, a different adventure. He's been up for adventures before. He's obviously proven himself. Um, from from Salzburg to Leipzig, Leipzig less so, but with you know he, he faced a lot of injuries during his time. Not to make excuses for him, and then did something miraculous with Leeds to finish last season, and then this year has, has struggled to really find footing to establish himself. Now, I think that puts him into a category of a very hireable job uh, coach. I think he probably, from what I'm understanding, was part of the process of deciding not to take Southampton, and 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 as opposed to Southampton not wanting him or it not being true. Um, And there must be reasons behind it. Either there's other opportunities that he believes exist, or um, he just truly didn't believe or buy into what the project needed to be now, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that – and I agree with some of the commenters as well. Spicy Pineapple, what's up? Who said, uh, I think Jesse made the right choice by not taking that that job. It feels like it would have been a lose-lose
1: situation for him.
0: I saw some like people saying like becoming a super
1: sub, you know, like what's yeah, the long term yeah. upside? Is like you become the super sub and you're like, well, you're so good, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep bringing you off the bench, you know, because you're the spark. You save teams, right, right. Um, which can make you a lot of money and build you a great reputation, and you get a statue probably for, you know, at some point. <laughs> like, but then you quickly see three, four months later, leads are like, well, what have you done for us today? You know, yeah, um, yeah. You know, He's like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, you guys were, you guys were chasing me down the street. I was a hero. And then now all of a sudden it's like, get out of here.
0: I guess for me, from like a pure, purely aesthetic perspective or romantic perspective, mm-hmm. Southampton plays Chelsea, and then they would have played Leeds. And there's wow. just something about having that moment that that yeah. that where Jesse had a moment to kind of take a pretty quick shot at his former club would have been pretty interesting. Though I know his heart is probably still with the club, mm-hmm. and I know he cared about yeah. a lot of people there whether he got sacked or not. But still, it it, it that would have been very intriguing, as it were. And we'll end an up scene first what he does and then second we'll see if he comes on the show that is that is uh our ultimate goal maybe he can also help us with our other ultimate goal which is getting uh, fuller and baligan on the us men's national team moving forward Man, All right, we're, we're adding take, a lot of big tasks we're, at it. we're, we're adding have, a we lot of tasks <laughs> that's what we do that's what we do yeah. and and with chuck now pushing into a higher stratosphere maybe we can start to make mm-hmm. some of these things happen right he's starting mm-hmm. to be a buddy buddy with Thierry. Thierry knows baligan and talks to him regularly so connecting the dots here heath All right, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're talking about our U-17s, our Americans in the Champions League, and so much more. So don't go anywhere.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: All right, just like that ad said on the YouTubes. Don't miss a second of action from the greatest club competition on Earth, the Champions League. Could can also get the Europa League in this deal. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer, like Lionel Messi, Kareem Benzema, Victor Oseman, who's crushing it for Napoli this season, and Erling Haaland, who decided to be a big giant hero in Man City's big win over Arsenal. And this is as all these clubs and players try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the game, the Champions League trophy stream. Every match from the Champions League and the Europa League and the Europa Conference League and Serie A and NWS. it's all happening mm-hmm. on Paramount+. Plus. And you can try one month free with the promo code advance. So go make that happen. Now, Heath, we didn't see any Americans in Champions League action this week, but we did have one in studio. Big time Charlie Chuck Wagon, Hollywood Davies, representing insockwe Trust on Paramount Plus's Champions League Today show. And he was talking about Giorena. And this is what he had to say. Let's just give it up for Chuck. Take it away, Chuck!
2: in difficult shoes in terms of the US men's national team because of how the World Cup ended all the noise surrounding his involvement in terms of in terms of playing time <laughs> but this is Gio Reyna he, he's got he's got the but world this, at his feet because of the potential spit, that he has but yeah. in terms of production we haven't seen it I mean Everyone got hyped about the year 2020 with Gio Reyna in the Dortmund squad. But Gio, but Gio Reyna, it's not something new. Christian Pulisic did that in his 2018 season with Dortmund. They both had four goals, six assists for Christian, seven assists for, for Gio Reyna. So in terms of overall productivity, we're not seeing that from Gio Reyna this season. I mean, he's only started five games in 14 matches.
1: I mean, are you saying that at Dortmund nobody cares? Essentially, it's just back to normal business for him there. Y- yes,
2: it's it's not that Gio Reyna is the star of this Dortmund side.
1: Okay,
0: so Charlie decided to choose violence when seeking. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Charlie,
1: a- tell us also, how you really feel. <laughs> yeah,
0: for those that can't see it, he's wearing a a, a nice crisp blue blazer with a navy blue mm. button up and a maroon tie. I wonder what's rate his fit. I, I didn't know what was on. There's like little markings on his button up. They look like either the Millennium Mm. Falcon or a a, a Bulldog. I don't know what it was, but I I like it. It was some personality. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately,
1: unfortunately, Jimmy, it's a little bit of – Six out of ten? Seven out of ten? Yeah, uh, for me, I don't think it really hit in terms of, like, color and pattern blocking. Um, There's some (laughs) color and pattern blocking 101 that goes into these types of things, and I think it maybe went a little bit too far. Uh, in terms of, you know, you got to line it up with your backdrops. But he'll get to that point. If he wants the real Hollywood title, then he'll know exactly how to do his um, his pattern blocking. But uh, overall, I think it was good. But what what's up with Charlie being so serious? Like, what's he? So what's, what's he war, wartime reporting over there in London? Like, you so know, Chuck, we know he's a little bit nervous, oh, huh? Chuck? We're going to have to have a word with him, you know? At least have us call him. We can walk him through it and be like, hey, man, just – it's the Emmett Smith in the end zone. Act like you've been there before. You know what I mean? Don't get caught up in the in the moment,
0: you know. What's funny is he's got enough properties that he owns that he could probably build his own full full-scale studio where he could practice. Just so he's comfortable with this surround. It's like it's yeah. like it's like training in Denver for a high altitude so that you're you're ready for the Mexico City World Cup qualifier when you played Azteca because yeah. they're at high altitude as well. You just got to get used yeah. to that. So, Chuck, we got some notes for you, buddy, but uh we're very proud and uh looking as handsome as always. So let's talk now about a American that didn't play in Chelsea's 1-0 loss to Borussia Dortmund. It is Christian Pulisic. And apparently there's some, this is from Fabrizio Romano, some talks happening between Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, who seem to have a pretty good relationship because you have Alvaro Morata, who's done a loan deal, and they've made business before between the two clubs. Uh, Saul came over on loan last season. I don't think he played much under Tuchel, but uh, it still happens. Joao Felix is now... The newest name from Atleti to Chelsea, and now there's rumors that maybe they can figure out a way to move Pulisic to Atleti over the summer, and then keep Joao Felix. And I want everybody to chime in on this. In terms of, do you think Atletico Madrid? I like that he goes to Spain. I think that's a that's a good fit, and I think it would be fun to see him play over there. But is Diego Simeone? Who? Wait, did he announce Diego Simeone that he's leaving at the end of the season? That that's obviously going to kind of probably. Impact my my thoughts on this overall, but if he does leave, but right. for right now they're very defensive under Simeone. They've always been defensive under Simeone, but that's helped them win a couple of La Liga titles, got to a couple Champions League finals. When the guys are bought in, then it works. But when I look at their lineup overall, Heath, they usually play a four four two, and the guys out wide in midfields just tend to be a little bit more defense minded, right? They have yeah. Rodrigo De Paul, for instance, who usually comes in central and they let their outside back come in. I mean, it's not it's not Christian Pulisic territory. At times they will play a 4-1-4-1 and then they have Marcus Llorente on one side, Griezmann on the other, and then yeah, uh, and they, Joao Felix up top when he was there, over Morata up top.
1: Well, I think if you do have a, a, a Joao Felix type of player or a player like a Griezmann on the, on the inside that can allow you to spring out on the counter-attack, that could fit his style of play even if they are more defensive. Gives him more room to get in behind or isolate one-on-one. I actually think where I've struggled to see the most growth from Christian Pulisic is that impact in the final third in the build-up play, combination play, those types of things that he's so good at. Good first touch, explosive on the dribble, those types of things that I'd like to see more of that. But I have seen him when games get open, right? When when he's covering a lot of ground, when he's getting open and isolated in the open field. And I think that could play to it. Maybe I'm just sort of forcing Square Peg into a round hole to justify freeing him from his Chelsea circumstances. But I would be pro that over him staying at Chelsea. That's for sure.
0: Okay. Do you feel like we got a comment there from Heather? What's up, Heather? The Tercios family always supporting from day, their day oneers over there. She says mm-hmm. that he should stay in the Premier League and, and he shouldn't leave. And I know there's been interest from Newcastle before. And I wonder if Chelsea's just doesn't want to face him at, at any point, mm-hmm. or they might just get a better offer from Atleti and you're <laughs> going to take the better offer. I I, I don't know. I, I think that playing for Atleti are one of the top, Three or four clubs in in any of the leagues in Europe would be, well, outside of, of the French league. I'd like to see him. You know, even I don't know if you go back to Germany. So you're really talking Italy. You fall or off or if you go place.
1: to like a big Portuguese club, like one of the two or three big giants. Like, is that a bad thing? You're playing. Champions I, I think it Houston, would be seen as a step back, even
0: going back okay. to the Bundesliga. Unless it's Bayern Munich, I still think it would be considered a step back.
1: I still think he fits into Bayern. I still think uh serginio des fits into byron when i think about byron and the young players that they play and the quality of the players that they have and you look at just the names it's not like byron's full of just superstars right now they're still winning but they've still got a lot of industrious players that can get the job done but they're not you know uh chupamoting isn't isn't like a tier one a striker right um and 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 so when i think about christian pulisic and how he could contribute to that team yeah you, you know you're 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 not going to compete with uh Sadio Mane, but like you I I, I just think that he could I think he could contribute there. But again, I when I say contribute, contribute, right, what I does say, that mean? Where does he fit on the field? You know, where where is he your bona fide starter? And I don't know if Bayern's the kind of place that would have again even the patience. He'd get a lot of games, like anybody, but but I don't know if they have the patience um with his injury issues or or if he doesn't produce for two, three games, you know.
0: I feel like we we all want to see him go to a team where he's trusted and that he's a player that that is relied upon because that really ties in nicely to how he's viewed for the US. Right. If he goes to Atleti, I don't know if he's an automatic starter. He goes to Byron's any of the top clubs in Italy, somewhere else in the prep. If he goes to Newcastle, Miguel Miron is like on fire, right? That guy's on yeah. fire. You got you got others that are that are doing the oh, job. I, don't, I but Jimmy, I'm not I I like, there's, there's, there's no club. situation where I think unless yeah. he, he has to he has to take that quote unquote step back somewhere. Where yeah. That appears to be a step back, so he can go be the guy. Exactly. But I don't know. I, I don't, feel like once you make that jump to Chelsea, you're wearing the number 10 shirt. It, there's not too many places you can go yeah. where you can be able to match that. Wages included.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think players um, choose their their transfer fee. Um, so it's always hard for me to like make them justify that because it's not like he said, I want to move to there and it's going to cost this. But I do think that wherever he goes, he's still got a, I'm a young-ish player. That's proven some stuff, and I've got a long way to go to prove that I can be a consistent starter at the highest level. And therefore, when I think about the clubs that we would associate him with, it's going to have to be a perfect situation of an outgoing player and a player coming in and budgets being right where he's going to be able to be the guy and at least get a half season to, to, to lose that spot at a level that yeah, we want. Right? Yeah. Um, he's going to have to go and, and prove something, and maybe that's the motivation he needs because generally, we've seen Christian Pulisic when he's under the most pressure – and under the most criticism, he rises to the challenge, right? He is used to dealing with that level of noise. When he's healthy and when he's fit, I still like his chances to com- to outcompete most people at most clubs.
0: I mean, we could say this about any player, but if he was crushing it in training and doing well in games, you have to make yourself undroppable. So no matter what club he goes to, there has to be something that's so important to the rest of the team that you're on the field. And we can see moments of it, but maybe it's mm. that lack of consistency because it doesn't feel like there's any coach out there at the club level that trusts him with that type of responsibility. Right. When he was at Dortmund, though, it seemed like he got a little a little bit more of that and, and played a little bit more. And it's interesting. He, he's, uh, at, at times, he can be a real enigma for me. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't disagree. Um, we, we know what the potential is. We know what he's capable yeah, of. It's, it's just a matter of, like, stringing that out. It's hard because, like, it's been caught up in this, like, World Cup, to now plus injury where it just all feels like almost negative thinking about him in my head. And I know he's got so much to give and so much to offer that I'm hoping um, we're not seeing the ceiling of him yet. You know, he talked about in those podcasts with Tim Ream about, you know, wanting to be more of a prolific finisher and 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 more, you know, higher percentage or more consistent um, or convert more in and around the goal. And I'm hoping that's the next step that we see from him. It's not impossible to say that that could happen. It's just been hard to ever see him find a, a full season rhythm um, for for what feels like a couple of years now. Is this step back the right step? Is that the next step for him? And I don't mean step back, like start over, but like, you know, is there something between Chelsea and Dortmund? Because, you know, Dortmund's a big club. It's gr- a bigger club for young players in terms of the you stepping stones. huge trade. Uh, j- just between Dortmund and Chelsea, right? Is there is there uh. is there something in there? Is Chelsea too big of a club for a player like Christian Pulisic?
0: I don't think so. And he already showed that when he first came in, when they first signed him. He was lights out. I don't think he was thinking too much. He was just enjoying it, everything to gain, nothing to lose. And it it showed. And then I think that the shirt is heavy. When you wear a number 10 shirt for a big club, there's a lot of expectations with that. If you just stay wearing number 22, Heath, I think we're talking about (laughs) maybe a a much more relaxed Christian Pulisic. Honestly, there's something about the heaviness of wearing a, a certain number of a shirt. And what people expect out of you when you decide I'm going to take on that responsibility. Now I love that he has that type of confidence, but I wonder, Mm -hmm. I wonder, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole too far. I think that he needs to change the scenery. I think that whatever he's going to do at Chelsea, he's already done. Mm -hmm. And he just needs something different. If you go to a team like Atletico Madrid, if you go to Borussia Dortmund, you're still playing to the champions league. You're still playing at a high level. You're still competing against some of the very best in the world on a regular basis. Right, and if he did well at Atleti, let's say over a two-year period, I think he could easily find himself back in the Premier League in a different situation, being seen in a different light, kind of shedding some of the disappointment. Now, listen, he's one of a lot of players that maybe haven't played to their complete potential at Chelsea. I'm I'm talking right. Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku. I mean, there's a there's there's a laundry list of guys that have gone through the same type of thing. And as they continue to buy this, this new owner is even crazier than Roman Abramovich in terms of like, let's go, go out scour the world for the best talent and let's just throw it out there and see what happens, which doesn't guarantee anything, but that's uh, the plan. Apparently it's it's uh, I just think he needs something different. And I would welcome a change to a club of Atletico Madrid's stature. And I'd be very interested to see if Diego Simeone does end up leaving at the end of the season. Who comes in and if that manager will be a better fit for the style that Christian Pulisic likes to play? Because Simeone, it doesn't feel like that would be the best fit, but he would learn. He would definitely get better and smarter and more well-rounded as a player under Simeone. But in terms of him, like, lightened up stats-wise, I don't know if that would happen under him.
1: Yeah, I think about uh, even the, the Weston McKinney situation where he's like, he goes on loan. And now he's probably thinking like it was almost a transfer and then it's a loan. Now you're like, okay, now my options are open because Jesse Marsh is gone. I don't know what the next thing is. I don't know where this club is going to be. It's a good situation for him to be in. Do you think the next move would, would need to be a season-long loan to get on his feet and prove himself? Or do you think that's more dangerous than, than just a fresh start? Because I feel like loans can also feel a little bit, unless there's like an option to buy and it's realistic and there's an interest in you and they've got to free up the budget over time or whatever it is, Um this lack of like convincing or this borrowing of a player can also feel that lack of permanence can also be a negative towards performances you know
0: 100% i think that i would avoid a loan at all costs i think that it helped kevin de bruyne we could all argue and de bruyne was a little bit younger at the time but de bruyne went back to the bundesliga right he mm-hmm. went back to to find his feet again and then you know came to man city a much different much more confident player and i think that right. there's a path there that i think exists and, and same thing with Mo Slutt. And he, he went to Roma. He left to go to Italy and then came back to sign for Liverpool and then really took that big step. So I'm using two guys that, that didn't meet, reach their potential at Chelsea, found a different path, and found their way back into the Premier League to be some of the best players in the world. So that'll be interesting. And we'll see how that continues to play out here with uh, with Chelsea, with Christian Pulisic. So let's now move over to Sergina Destin play for AC Milan. He didn't. He's not even on the Champions League roster for them. Gio Reyna didn't come off the bench either for, for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that U.S. Men's National Team <laughs> fans are asking for Edin Terzic's head so they can stay consistent in their dislike for anybody that doesn't play Garena. Uh We have Everton versus Leeds preview, but I want to talk about our U17 run right now because our U17s have some excellent mm-hmm. players. They've played three games so far in the group stages of the U17 CONCACAF Championship. They're now in the round of 16. They'll take on the Dominican Republic. On Saturday, Dominican Republic didn't play in these re- recent group stage games. They had already qualified earlier, so they just p- kind of been waiting. And I just think they weren't going to beat the U.S. anyway. And now the U.S. have gotten a couple games under the belt. I think they're going to be sharper going into this one. But for everybody that, uh, as they start to finalize, that they're going to play the winner. If, if they beat Dominican Republic, they'll take on Guatemala. Or what looks like, I'm going to guess Jamaica, that it's going to yeah. be in that one. Guatemala's been all right throughout this. It'll be a test. But the top four... Of this U-17 CONCACAF championship. So all the semifinalists, once they get there, so it's two more wins mm-hmm. for the U.S. to get there, they qualify for the U-17 World Cup. So that's really the end goal, and then obviously you want to seal the deal and hopefully play Mexico in the final and take them down. Like, that's the plan. Yep. Now, we had uh, Kirill Figueroa, Figueroa, whose dad played for Honduras, if I'm not mistaken. Maynor Figueroa.
1: He might still play for Honduras, by the he way. He actually might. He's like, <laughs> he's like he's like 40-something. Yeah, he's, 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 I think like, he's forty.
0: He's young, he's older than me, I think, and still plays, uh, yeah. which says a lot. But he came off the bench to score the winner against Canada. Finished off a good cross. We got some players in a lot of different areas. Uh, what what are your you have any takeaways from these three wins so far for for our kids and, and how they're doing?
1: No, what's 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 crazy is is again um, making sure there is a pipeline for these players for first team minutes, right? Because you're seeing this potential. We've got to get these players into an in, environments. Where like you know, Cruz Medina is is getting consistent minutes at some level for his age. Uh, Figueroa is another one that you know he's he's obviously scoring goals um, as well, and and is and is a capable striker. So when I think about this this generation of players, it reminds me of a lot of generations. I don't think there's any one superstar, but again, what I'm most impressed about is these players drop down into their to their level. They're spending most of their time with adults and in difficult environments, and and then you're seeing just sort of that growth uh, when you compare them to players their age. Uh, but again, they still got to go go and get get it done to qualify um, because you, you know that uh, on any given day in, in, in right. qualifying and these types of things, things can go drastically wrong. We've seen that with the U-20s. We've seen that with our Olympic teams in the past, and, and they they all had the quality to qualify. But yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some special players in here um, that I'm excited to see sort of break out into the first-team world.
0: No, I'm excited as well. Kiro Figueroa plays for Liverpool's U18 team. We have Adrian Gill, who plays in midfield. He plays for Barcelona and their youth academy. You have Cruz Medina, uh, Manganya, who plays in midfield. There's there's three San Jose Earthquakes players, but I I agree with you that that what is their plan? What's the map for them? If if they're and yeah. I'm sure that you know, well, I hope. Let me say, but I hope that there's a map for them to get first team minutes as they continue to push. And prove themselves that they deserve a little bit more. I think we're going to see some Cruz Medina action for the earthquakes this season. And they have a good example in Cape Cal already where they want to get their younger players some minutes and kind of ease them
1: into that responsibility. Well, you but look at Cade Cale, the... Cal, by the way. and Kate Cal is what? twenty maybe 2021, 20, whatever yeah. he is, somewhere in there, maybe yeah. just turned 20. And he's three years of professional first team minutes, right? And I'm not saying a 16-year-old or 17-year-old needs to go and play every minute with the first team. But if they're getting significant minutes, then year two, you're like eight, you know, they're 18 years old. And you're like, okay, this guy's got 30 professional games at 18, 19, he's on 60 or whatever. And now you're like, okay. Now they're heading towards like almost 20 years old, three, four years professional experience. And you're like, this guy is way ahead for his age, right? And that's the that's the development window, not just we need our 16-year-olds to be starting every game. It's about consistent minutes playing on their the second teams if they have to, training in professional environments. And then, you know, we're seeing a lot of that in the national team.
0: Yeah. Are there any players you think if we had to project just for fun? Like one player that you think maybe has a chance to sneak on? because. The 2026 World Cup roster, because that would put these
1: kids at 19 years old. I mean, Gils to... starting to get in with Barcelona. B. you know, I think Cruz has an opportunity there. Uh you Kiro know, you Figueroa need, obviously you need... is. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, he... And he's he's in a good youth system at Liverpool. I, I'd throw my name, throw a uh, name in Pedro Soma, who I think's been good in the middle of midfield. Yeah. I think he can play multiple positions, and and I just like his game. Uh, he's been wearing the number eight for the U17. So keep an eye on him if you guys want to take a look and watch them. But, uh, yeah, exciting times. I mean, the thing I marvel about the most Heath when I watch them is how much better they are (laughs) than I ever was at that age. Like it's not even close. (laughs) It's not even close. Like 10 times the player I ever was at that age. And, and, uh, And I would have been super nervous to play for any youth national teams. Well,
1: now you have these regional identification centers, you know, like the player that's coming into the national team has to be so advanced in so many ways now that it's no longer like the national team is not a development platform anymore. Right. It's an identification platform because these kids are getting developed in professional environments by and large um, by the time that they are that age. Whereas, you know, Jimmy, you were what training twice, three days a week, maybe twice on your own. But like generally like same thing for me until I went to residency. Where the upside is we trained every day, but the downside was you never got good games. You never played matches, which are the most important of all that stuff, right? Of like being able to like implement that in in high competitive environments. Now these kids are getting that in leagues. They're able to go up and down. Basically, they can move up to the 19s. They can train with the first team. They can get dropped back down. They can get their minutes. And so whether that's MLS or abroad, I think this pipeline of players, they're just so much more polished at this age than we've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's it's just exciting times. It really is. And uh, Gonzalo Cigares, who we both played against in MLS, he's the U17 coach. So excited to have him and his experience and really steady player. It seems like he's got yeah. a good
1: demeanor, and and I think the kids will respond to him, and they clearly have. So he's a really smart guy, by the way. Costa Rican international, for those that don't know. But like he he was, um, I spent some time with him when 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 US Soccer was out in LA, and just really smart guy.
0: Yeah, he's on top of it. And uh, I was excited when he got named as coach. I think that's a, a really good hire. And I assume the kids will really look up to him. And he's got the career to, to back that up. That That's not always necessary, but I do think yeah. it helps, especially with the young, impressionable minds out there. All right, yeah. so there's kind of two questions. Let's merge them into one that I think I want to finish the show with, Heath. Mm-hmm. So you have Everton versus Leeds. And yeah. that's a big one that's happening this weekend. And I kind of don't want to get into the weeds about that game and Leeds, but more about what happens if Leeds does get... Get guts get relegated. Tyler Adams for me is, is gonna stay in the Premier League. I think his worth is his stock has raised tremendously mm-hmm. since joining Leeds. And right. I think that Manchester united has already expressed interest. Like he, he's gonna land somewhere if they get um relegated. wesley McKinney, I think he's only on loan, so I think he's all right. Brendan aronson I think, is the one that maybe he benefits from going down to the championship and and being a guy that they can rely on. I don't know. I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. Mm-hmm. But but he, my, my, they pay 30 yeah. million for him, so so they're gonna yeah if they're going to sell and they're going to want to try to get something in return. And, and obviously he started hot and he's also not been so hot recently. And we have our own reasons as to, to why that might be, but, but on the, yeah. here's the second question I want to merge into this because mm-hmm. we got asked this by ask and Andy, anything on Twitter. We appreciate you in the follow. He said, there's five Americans in the hunt for a championship playoff berth. which, which one of these would you like to see playing in the premier league next season? So Tell me your thoughts about Brendan Aronson. Do you think the championship might be a good fit for him, potentially if he goes down? Because I feel like Wesson and Tyler are probably mm-hmm. are, are figured out. And then who of the five would you like to see? Now there's you, know, you got Horvath, you got you got Sargent, who just scored recently, you have uh Zach Stefan who's been playing yeah. out of his mind. You got Daryl DK, you know what, what? And then there's one more, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But uh who who would you like to see come up from that group? I personally, I'd say I say Zach Stefan. It'd be kind of cool to get him some, some redemption.
1: I, I, I'm saying Stefan and um, Stefan and uh, uh, DK. I'd like to see DK in the Premier League level to just sort of see. You know, we're hearing all the hype around him. We're we're hearing about his development. I'd love to see him go up and get a chance in the Premier League. Um, albeit it'll probably end up being a very just sergeant type of experience, you know, in terms of getting your chances, you got to finish them. You're not going to get a ton of goal scoring opportunities. You're going to be fighting for your life, but I'd like to see that. And then for, for Brendan Aronson, maybe, maybe you go down for a half season and then go on loan somewhere. Um, But it's again, one of these things where I'm like, he's in a slump right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm actually kind of happy about that. I'm happy because we need players to go through tough things. No good player has ever just, you know, the world class, maybe they go straight to the top, but we need our players to continue to go, right? He's had this steady rise of Philadelphia Union to Salzburg, to then being like Leeds' best player, to then hitting this dip. And you're like, okay, reality is hit. You know, now you've got to overcome this next thing. And and he's the kind of player that I trust to do that as opposed to other player personality types. But yeah, what's your answer on that?
0: I wouldn't mind seeing Austin Trusty. To be honest, he was the fifth yeah. name that I was thinking about. That that plays re- regularly is ultimately. Yeah. I know there's other Americans. Lyndon Gooch is another one. But, but would he but, go back to Arsenal? Well, that's yeah. the thing. He's on loan to Birmingham yeah. City from Arsenal. Twenty-three year olds been been lights out. They love him at Birmingham City. So I wonder what that would look like if they did get promoted and he could get right in there. But yeah, Austin chussey would be would be an interesting one. Uh, just to see, very similar to how you you're talking about. I just want to see how he'd do. If, right. if we're going to get on the Austin Trusty hype hype train, then we want to see him playing against the best competition that he can in the league that All he's right. playing in. So that would be interesting to see how you do. Now, would he go back to Arsenal? Would Birmingham buy him? I, I guess that would be. I don't know if there's any room right now at Arsenal for him with the emergence of uh, Saliba and and Gabriel. Obviously, are mainstays, and they've got other guys in those those areas. But but you never know. So so, and I'd love to see Zach Stefan kind of have a redemption story, right. a redemption arc here where you come back and just to prove that he actually is the guy, and who's going through a tough spell and worked through it, and now he's ready to be the guy again, which would be an incredible narrative for the goalkeepers moving forward because we do have a lot of those. And then, uh I, did you answer the Brendan Aaronson thing? Sorry, I had. Tro- I, I what were your thoughts on Brendan?
1: No, no, I said that I, I mentioned Brendan about going to the championship, maybe going on loan. You know, and, ah, I, and see, that I was happy I that he was going. He was going through a lot of uh tough times. I think it's good for him. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, got
0: it. Sorry, I was looking at Austin Trusty stats while
1: you were... Don't worry, Jimmy. You d- mute me. That's cool. I get it. Well, no, I can't, I, I can't confirm or time.
0: deny whether I muted you <laughs> or not. All right, final thoughts, Heath. This has been a great show. We missed Chuck, of course, but uh, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with everybody, and we appreciate your support. But final thoughts from you, Heath Pierce, as we look towards the weekend.
1: No, I mean, uh, obviously... Uh, excited to see the U S, uh, U 17s, uh, Saturday, uh, continuing to push that forward again, that's the next crop of players. And it's really hard to imagine, uh, which one of these players might be in our world cup squad, but it would be foolish to not think that one of them is going to make our world cup squad come 2026, you know, who knows how big those squads are by then, Jimmy, they might, we might we're edging towards like <laughs> that's NFL general. roster sizes for tournaments now. Great so point. it'll be 11 subs and 46 players. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, 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 I'm just excited to see this team continue to develop. And that's my final thought
0: yeah no i agree with that final thought i love that and as i mentioned before we're going to continue to peer pressure jesse march to come on the show very very like soon it. which would be a big thrill for all of us just to be able to shoot the shit with a guy that's done so much to to move and eh, break the glass ceiling in some ways for american managers over in europe so we'll keep you guys posted on all that so on behalf of producer daz producer alex hollywood chuck wagon davies and hollywood heath pierce i'm conradinho Conrad, a.k.a. Jim, and we appreciate again, all of your support for Soccer we Trust. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday! Later!